You're next. The song that plays over and over. Barbara Crampton. Oh, oh, oh. Looking. Nobody remembers this? Okay. Barbara Crampton still looks great. She she does. does. Okay. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of the Destroy the Brain podcast. I'm Andy Triefenbach. I'm Roger Henderson. I am Rune Maddox. And I'm Niles Maddox. And today on episode 76, we're going to go back to 1987 and talk about Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark. Ooh boy. Ooh boy. Ooh boy. Finger licking good. Yep. I really love this movie, so it was nice to give it a rewatch, but I was also expecting to see it on Shudder. <laughs> we'll talk about it here momentarily. Before we get into uh, the main topic of Near Dark and what we've been watching in between the recordings of the episode, let's get some housekeeping out of the way. You can follow us on Twitter at DTB Horror, on Instagram at Destroy the Brain. You can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Destroy the Brain, as well as our Facebook group, Facebook.com slash group slash DTB Podcast. That's D tb podcast and more importantly join our discord at discord.destroythebrain.com it's completely free no page patreon level to to get in because we're nice like that (laughs) Um, i I think we should open up a patreon account where we all just sell pictures of our feet oh all of okay okay dtb feet have you seen Andy's feet? <laughs> Destroy the feet. Yeah, I mean, my feet, mm. you get like a uh, farmer's tan of my sandal. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the crack of so, that. So if somebody gets off on that, jam. Can, show me your crack. <laughs> my OnlyFans is OnlyFans.com. Only feet. <laughs> OnlyFeet.com. Only Stop stealing my name. <laughs> also, uh, Late Night Grindhouse, we finally got the September show booked, September 24th and 25th. We are showing Wes Craven's shot. And uh, you might remember, uh, or maybe not, so I'll remind you, Manuela, uh, who was also on the show in the past, um, she picked this back in 2019 as part of a fundraiser for Stray Rescue that Rick Giordano from Lion's Daughter did, and she's been waiting for like two years for this to happen. So it's finally happening. The last time we were going to show it was last March, and, you know, that whole plague thing happened, and it's still happening. But, you know, <laughs> Rin's just looking at me wide. I'm like, God damn it. It's just the fatigue of it all is so real. It's, uh, yeah, it's I, 100% real. I read on the internet that it's not so much um, a collective depression going on within our society. It's more so an ongoing languishing. Yeah, that's uh, it's pretty spot on. I read about society's feelings now. <laughs> All right, so uh, Shocker is September 24th and 25th at Marcus de Pere, and tickets are $8. It starts at 10 p.m., and you'll be out by midnight. All right, kids? Bless. Yeah. Because I get sleepy. I know. We all get sleepy. A lot of people get sleepy Andy gets during sleepy. the double. I've watched him look sleepy during the second movie. What? It's to the point where I have to wear my glasses, like, <laughs> on the drive home now. Okay, I want to go enough. home. <laughs> that's enough concentration. My glasses do it. Oh, man. I'm super excited. Um, still working on October, so I don't have an announcement on that, but hopefully I'll have one by September. We'll see. We'll see. You're just going to show a couple episodes of Goosebumps. Yep. Yep. Goosebumps. Are you afraid of the dark? I'm just going to pop in uh, one of the six hour VHS 
mixtapes. Oh, yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> but anyway, all right, let's get into what we've been watching. Roger, what do you got? Well, I watched Army of the Dead, and I'm still mad about that. <laughs> okay. Why is that? I still have not seen this. Isn't that the newer flick? Yes. Oh, my, that looked... My not. vision hasn't corrected since, so I went ahead and watched a, another zombie movie that's a favorite of mine. Um, it's pretty divisive. Um, it's Night of the Seagulls from 1975. Did you oh, say wow. Night of the Seagulls? Yes. Yep. It oh is the it's fourth. actually right behind you, yeah. though, in the Blind Dead is collection. It, is it, wait it's the fourth installment of uh, <laughs> Amando de Asaro's uh, quadrilogy of the Blind Dead. And um, some people say that it's good. A lot of people say it's slow and boring. But um, It's the only one on Blu-ray, sadly. Yeah, that's why I'm kind of suggesting well, it. Not for long, though. Yeah, because I'm dying for that Synapse release yeah. and of the first one, and that's the that's the that's cream the de la crop right there. Yeah. I do like the sequel, though. Yeah. I think it's I, I enjoy it, the whole series. Yeah. Night of the Seagulls? Night of the Seagulls. Yeah, it's funny because like it went from um, what it, Tombs of the Blind Dead, yeah. and then the sequel uh, is Return of the Evil Dead. Return of the Evil Dead, then the the Ghost Galleon. Ghost Galleon is the yeah. third one. Well, I've heard of that one. Yeah. Night of the Seagulls, of the Seagulls. <laughs> which has nothing to do with the Blind Dead. Right. Well, I mean, sound very spooky. Is this is this not just the birds at night? No. Like, okay. <laughs> I don't. I, what you're? I, you guys keep talking. I just keep being so, like, I'm sorry. What the title really doesn't have anything to do with the movie, other than the fact that there's birds outside at night <laughs> so people aren't like having a picnic on the beach under the stars no. and then like the birds come for their chips no okay no um this movie um it's about um a doctor coming to this rural just kind of primitive coastal town okay where's the where like uh we're talking like a main type setting uh, i'm assuming somewhere in spain yeah they're spanish films i don't know you know it's one of those things sometimes they'll be like it's obviously a spanish film but it's like trying to look like an american coastal well, town or something it's spanish not italian oh that's right but um so they uh him and his wife arrive in this town and um immediately they're being treated like trash like the townspeople mm. don't want anything to do with them and they're like well you know what's their problem whatever the wife's not taking you know taking it too well the you know, the doctor's like well they'll just get used to us mm. you know it's a small town that's just how it is well they quickly realize that the reason why is the um the town is in the middle of this kind of paranormal curse that's going on mm. that happens every seven years for seven nights um these uh, night Templar corpses arise from their tombs. Obviously, to oh, no. yeah, to uh, kill seven maidens. Oh no! Yeah. So, um, <laughs> with the help of the, I don't want to say village idiot because that's just kind of a shitty way to put it these days. How did they put it in the movie? Yeah, village idiot. Okay, thank you. you. Know. So Let's be accurate here. <laughs> yeah, they were straight to the point. With so that. the village outcast is like, you know, kind of helping them figure out things, you know, and um, they decide to help out the the maiden that's you know, the target of the night. And it basically kind of turns into like this almost night of living dead kind of situation where they're held up in the, like this small house. Okay. And the and the um, the night Templar corpses uh, are. Trying to get at this woman and kill her and everything. It's a basic setup, but um, the story's not all that 
elaborate, obviously. Where are the birds during this part? <laughs> they're just they're just circumstantial. <laughs> like it really has nothing to do nothing with Nothing to birds. do with it. Like the you you, you know, you or hear seagulls, the birds squawking. Yeah. Maybe you, the seagulls hold like cultural significance that we don't pick maybe. up on. It's interesting. Right. No, no. It sounds like like a almost like a city of the living dead kind of a thing or right. um, you know. That's yeah, it sounds yeah. cool, man. So like do we ever see a seagull eating some flesh? No. Okay, well. No. I feel like the title's a is complete there good misnomer. Gore? gore effects? Um, yeah, there's a decent amount of gore. Um, I literally the, thought you said, is there good door effects? I'm like, what? <laughs> a I lot love of, a good door. A lot of, sh- uh, you know, shabby doors. You mean like ghost doors that close Stop it. It never happened. <laughs> but anyways, like, um, obviously not the most elaborate story or anything like that. And that's why a lot of people kind of don't really like this one. A lot of people say it's boring, but I, I I really appreciate it because like really it relies on just gloomy atmosphere. Yeah. And like the whole series does. But I think this one is really cool because okay. one, you know, the the uh, the, the Templar Knights look just looks amazing. OK. Like they're just, you know, dehydrated, just gaunt, mm. just nasty looking Spooky. zombies. Yeah. Which has kind of a debate too, like whether or not they're zombies, zombies or they're yeah. mummies or anything like that. But I mean, let's be real. They're undead. They're the undead. They're looking for, for murder. Well, and also I think Peter Jackson <laughs> said that they, the blind dead look, the Templar Knights are definitely an influence on the ring race in yeah. Lord of the Rings. Right. That's exactly what I was envisioning, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. You just Me don't too. really see the faces in Lord of the Rings. And I think, honestly, that might be for the better but um the blind dead look fucking killer right it looked like a doom album basically yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah and um i i really appreciate the whole series as a whole but like really this is like the only one you can really get your hands on these days because i mean it used to be a part of like the coolest box set that was ever released on dvd yeah by blue underground with like the coffin box which you can't get anymore for a reasonable price Mm. but that was like one of my prized possessions there. But um yeah, the first one is probably the best one, but we're still waiting on Synapse to release that. And right. I'm sure they're gonna give that all kinds of love like they did with Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, which I have, I will a, I have gladly a feeling pay they're gonna any amount for that. They'll probably announce that relatively soon. I know it played at Fantasia right. is where they premiered it. Um I didn't get a chance to look at the restoration. But yeah, yeah I'm excited. Because I really do love that first movie right. quite a bit. Interesting. And I know, like, the new one that has nothing to do with oh, anything yeah. is streaming, but I've heard nothing but bad things about that. Yeah, I forget what it's even called, to be yeah. honest. And it's it's not the same director or anything, well, so yeah. it's, it, it's, uh, it's more of a tribute. It looks more like a fan film, to be right. honest, based off the trailer. We'll drop a trailer. I kind of... Kind of don't want to touch that one. So, <laughs> I mean, if it came, ac- yeah, if it came across my desk, right, yeah. so to speak, I I would maybe peek at it, but right. yeah. But if you're looking for like you know European kind of, kind of trashy, atmospheric, um, give it a shot. Yeah, and Shout Factory put this one out. Yeah, on Blu-ray. So if you wanted to check it out, but honestly, I would say just wait for the Synapse release and just start your voyage yeah. into all right. four of them. Cool. Cool. Rin, what you got? We have the big old fancy universal box set. Which one was it, Niles? What was the release? The big chunker. The big boy. That big boy. There is a lot in there. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, 
It's a whole bunch of things I have never seen. They they broke it down by That's it. That's that yep. chunky boy right yeah, there. Yeah, the chunky boy. The it's basically broke down by each character like so you have a dracula set and a mummy set and, and you have duplicate blu-rays across the board <sighs> i think i got three copies of uh, frankenstein meets wolfman <laughs> right well really? i think the abbott costello one's on every single one yeah, of them. yeah yeah except the invisible man which i still hold that he's in that movie you just don't know <laughs> you can't see him <laughs> you can't see him <laughs> yeah I like it roger that was good <laughs> <laughs> so what about that box set so we've watched a lot of things that yeah, I have, have never seen. Me too. I really enjoyed Dracula, obviously, because it's fantastic. Did I've you- seen just about every remake of it ever, but I've never seen the one with Bella Lugosi in it. And I'm wow. so glad. Right? That's kind of surprising. I felt like I had seen enough of like the imagery from that movie and seen enough of the remakes that it was, you know, right. enough. Right. But so glad that I watched this because he's terrifying. Um. Another, if you're interested, um, there's a Spanish version of Dracula on that set. Um, yes. Oh, right, because they always had like the Spanish crew come in. After, yeah, right? yeah. So like it was basically day crew filmed the yeah. the American version. Spanish crew came in at night and used the same sets. Um, I think even though I love Bela Lugosi as Dracula, he's Dracula. He's no so doubt. intense he, for sure. I will say I do like the Spanish Dracula, and I think overall the acting is maybe a little better. Um, I could see that. Also, I love the uh, Philip Glass and Cronus Quartet score, um, which is on the American version, not the Spanish version. But I'm just giving you alternates. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Useless shit. Great. You needed to know, but you didn't. I will not retain this. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. Great. <laughs> But yeah, it's awesome watching something that is almost 100 years old and I can't find any real flaws in it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty perfect. Yeah. I, you know, that's the thing with all of those movies. We, we watched basically the four big ones. The, we watched uh, Dracula, Frankenstein, The Mummy, and <clears throat> Creature? Invisible Man? No, not yet. Hold on. Yeah, Invisible Man. Because Wolf are, Man. Those, no. Because we're watching them it. in chronological oh, order. Oh, so okay, okay, okay. That's the idea. So it actually started with four bangers. It was just banger, banger. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think it's funny to watch the prog- the progression and like adding humor to it, mm-hmm. which is obviously a huge in horror in general. Um, but then like just, yeah, like she said, I've seen parts of these movies a thousand times, right? You know, yeah. without actually sitting down and watching and realizing there's actually like some depth to these movies that like there's a little bit more meat to it than I thought there would be. Mm. Um, especially when we watched bride, I was just like, Oh my God, this is totally fucked. Like bride is, is such sh- a great movie. It wasn't what I thought. I didn't expect the ending to be oh. like it was. So yeah. But, uh, mm-hmm. go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. It was a good movie. It was a good movie. It was great. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Did you watch Bride of Frankenstein? Yes, that was okay. actually going to be another one that I talked about. But oh, it's I'm fine. sorry. It's fine. No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> well, you had well, just already picked your movies. Yeah, well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it later. 
Okay, Niles, before you hijack anymore. I didn't mean to hijack. I'm just, we've been. That's fine. We literally, all day yesterday, (laughs) all we did was watch movies. And we watched during the morning hours, we watched Universal. And then towards the evening, we were watching what I'm talking about now. We watched some paranormal activities. I bought the six discs, Blu ray box. Oh, yeah. This is after you bought, what, the third one on its own? Fourth one on its own. Oh, yeah. And then I realized, oh, shit, I could just get all of them for the same price. I believe I realized. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, The, Disc set came to us looking as though it had been mangled by the demon Toby. Yeah. Mm. Did you get it from Amazon? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I just said fuck it because I don't care, but I know Roger would have been like, Yeah. No, Niles is also pissed. the guy that throws away slipcovers. I was going to make a joke so. about slipcovers, but <laughs> I get so pissed. So when he gets in. I do in, not actually throw away slipcovers. When like, he gets into he the vinegar syndrome. If it gets fucking stuff. damaged and it starts looking like shit, yeah, I'll throw it away eventually, but. You know what's funny is I think my contrary <laughs> slipcover is all fucked up. Yeah, I was gonna say I I know I uh back in the day I had the like special edition of Pulp Fiction for like on DVD and like that cover just got thrashed and uh, I was like I'm just not the I one with care. the different characters on it. Uh, that's Reservoir Dogs. Oh, I'm an idiot. No, the Pulp Fiction <laughs> one that had like the the menu for like Jack Slims and oh yeah, yeah yeah. I think I still got that. Yeah. Anyways, back to where I was at. Um, so I want to talk about Paranormal Activity three, uh, because that's actually my favorite in the series, and I think it's because it is literally pointed directly at me it is i think i'm the same age group as these girls so basically the series goes you know you have the home invasion basically of a demon in the first one which takes out you know a boyfriend and then the 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 main character girl katie leaves cool she goes and just mysteriously disappears her boyfriend's dead second one is Let's go back in time and see how the demon even got into this house. Mm -hmm. And it ends up it's the sister of Katie. You know, she was actually the first one who was chosen because she had uh, the firstborn boy. So then you're basically it's like a prequel to the the first movie. But then the third one, which is directed by uh, Henry Joust Joust and Ariel Shulman, who. Yeah, these are the guys that did catfish who did catfish. Right. So. It was kind of interesting that it's very found footagey, mm-hmm. but they're also like documentary people. So like, I thought they did a really good job making it look half doc, half yeah, found I, footage. I mean, personally, I think the third one's the best. Um, Cause they, they do mix up some of the shots. You have this really cool shot with like a, uh, basically they put a, like a standing, like, it's like a fan basically. Oh yeah. That oscillates yeah. back and forth slowly. So like you get these cool, like, you know, surprise shots, right? It's like, you know, yeah, it's a cool game. Slow gag. moving. It's slow moving to the point where you're just like, okay, what am I gonna see? What the fuck am I gonna see? Oh shit. Right. It's an anticipation gag. But Much like like uh Hitchcock, you know, shows you a ticking bomb sure. behind, uh, under a table and now you just gotta know when it when it's gonna go off. Right. And you just know off screen something horrible is happening. But anyways, uh, I think why I like this the most is literally the I am that age group. It is. There's the Teddy Ruxpin in the room. Everything about that house looked like kind of like my house, that kitchen table. We had that kitchen table. So everything that I associate with what scared me as a child is in this movie. It's the thing in the closet. It's the Bloody Mary game. It's all of it is just for me growing up as a kid who wasn't really, um, I think 
I had more imagination because I wasn't exposed to anything than a lot of like, especially like Andy here. Andy was watching horror movies from birth. And <laughs> that's not true. I'm just kidding. But I'm just saying my imagination was made out of these, the unknown. And so when I watch things like this, it really ties into that like childhood fear I had of what's in the closet, what's coming to get me. It's obviously a demon who's trying to steal me and drag me out of my bed. <laughs> you know, obviously this is going to happen. Obviously. Obviously. Um, <laughs> but yeah, overall, I think it's tight. Um, I know, you know, it's one of those things people watch the first one. They like, they either liked or hated the first one. And I totally respect that. If you don't want to put yourself in a chair and just drop disbelief and you just like, this is real and I'm going to let this scare me. Like this concept would be scary to me. And I'm going to believe that if you can't do that, you're never going to enjoy movies like this. And I totally get that. I respect that. But for me, I can drop that easily and I can imagine something just taking me and just especially when I was a kid, like just taking me and shoving me in a closet and doing God knows what to me to turn me into some possessed kid. Um, yeah, did it's you, terrifying. Did you thought you thought you were going to be a possessed sex demon? Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like a prime example, like in Poltergeist, when the, the toy grabs the kid and like, shoves oh, him yeah, in the bed. Yeah, yeah, like that's my biggest fear in the world. So it's like. I, I think they just tied on a lot of things that I find terrifying. And so that movie was successful. And also because of the timepiece factor, I'm an, you yeah. know, like most people my age, I fall into that nostalgia. Well, I'm kind of curious. Like I think now, especially now, I think m more people are nostalgic Yeah, because they want to remember, you know, shit before COVID-19. Oh yeah. Right. And, yeah. and you know, I mean, I find myself looking at a whole bunch of 90 stuff Kind of as a comfort food. Right. Right before I go to bed is like, oh, I'm just going to check out these old 90s commercials and shit like that. So it makes me wonder if um, this watching this entry mm -hmm. is more potent now than it was when it came out. I mean, I've always said that these movies for me got tighter because that storyline, which is a little convoluted, convoluted and very like, does that make sense? Does that add up? If you watch the more you watch it, it seems to make more sense. Yeah. I feel like because it's like, how is that even possible? Because we just watch technically we watch one through four. And the fourth one is the weakest. Same directors, though, as the third one. Yeah. But the fourth one brought up some questions for me, like immediately with the plot. It's just like, does that make sense? It but then like, sense, the, but it I still enjoy it does, it. though, because we watched it again. And I'm like, OK, now that I know this, this will make sense to me. And it does make sense. But it's also like, but there's why? still like a plot hole in that that I don't need to get into. But yeah. it's fine. But I yeah, think I remember being disappointed. I will say that I think three wraps up the first two nicely with a bow. It gives you the backstory on how this demon attached to these poor girls and, you know, their lives were changed for it. And I. Yeah, I think one through three are tight. I think it's a nice trilogy. And as long as you can get into the first one, then you'd be good to watch the second and third one. And I think most people like I watch the star ratings go down. But for me, it's like if they actually go up because it adds to that. What mm. you like from the first one, it gives it an actual story. I didn't. I mean, I remember not really caring for the first one all that much. Um, I remember. But I remember liking the second one more, and then I really liked the third one. Right. And then the fourth one kind of shit the bed from what I remember. It's okay. It was fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I guess what I was getting at was, like, you know, the third one has the same creative crew. 
right? Or well, actually, the, the third, fourth one has the same creative career as the third, third one. So it was really disappointing when I yeah. first saw it because it was like, okay, yeah, you're continuing the storyline, which is cool. I'm glad you guys are gonna. I, I'm blown away by the series in general. So, I mean. Because from the first one to the second one, I did not know that they were going to continue with it. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that's cool, I guess. It's like Hell House, how they tried to do that. But then right. take a little more time with those movies, Dude brother. struck gold and then tried to keep mining. It's like, you're going to release there. one every half a year? Yeah. I don't even, you're not even working on these. You're just like, oh, yeah, the second one's out. Like, no, take a year off, brother. Yeah. It's not like the Blackwood. No. Blackwell Ghost, right? No. <laughs> Don't When's that next one coming? Fuck, I don't know, man. <laughs> All right, I'm done talking. I like getting you fired up about it. Dude, I, yeah, I'm a sucker for fucking hauntings. I just yeah. am. <laughs> um, so I took some advice from everybody, and uh, I actually watched the two movies that were kind of burning. Um, a hole in my pocket? Is that the way they say it? No. Uh, empty Man, I finally got you burnt a hole in your pocket? What the fuck does I think that mean? Last episode, I said that they were burning a hole. You had, you had, of my you were, they were on something. the back burner. You yeah. had them on the back burner. Yeah, but they, I was very anxious to watch these two movies because of the recommendations from y'all. So the Empty Man. We also watched that. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that first? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I look. It, it's <laughs> it's funny because Roger, have you seen this? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Man. Okay. I dug it. Um, yeah. Jeremy recommended it, and you know I've heard a couple of other recommendations from people that I trust. Um, it's it's funny because I think it's a solid movie, but it's a little fatty. Needs to be trimmed. Extremely long. Um, Extremely. And honestly, like, by the time you get to the end, you're just kind of disappointed. It's a film that struggles with itself quite often. Um, I I love the boldness and the audacity of having, like, a 22-minute prologue to set everything up which really doesn't set up the viewer for no. what's actually happening it's it's like this weird like i said a prologue it's like a prequel to what you're about to see um i like that it's not just an urban legend um there there's interesting stuff at play and i'm a huge david fincher fan so this guy like you know he worked a lot with fincher and i feel that he definitely owes a lot to fincher for his um, aesthetic, his visual aesthetic on the film. Yeah. Uh, with that said, I mean, I think it's a solid film. It just, it, it needs like 20 minutes cut from it. What'd you think of seeing our, our beautiful city there? Uh, well, yeah, it's obviously not our city, right? <laughs> right? Like the, the neighborhood view. It's like, well, that's not safe. Yeah. Louis. When they show, when they show the arch and like they show the city, I'm like, that's not our city. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I was like, okay, uh, cool, but not cool because like they I, obviously filmed in St. Louis, like there's a shot of the Limp Mansion. There, yep. there's shots of the Chain of Rocks Bridge, which you can also see at the end of Escape from New York, which was also right. filmed in St. Louis. So there's really cool St. Louis nostalgia in this film. However, you know, like from being from St. Louis, it's like, ah, oh, well, that's not really shot here. <laughs> but they got a lot of it right. So I mean, for for St. Louisans, it might be maybe a tougher pill to swallow i think you'd have to literally be somebody who cares about the architecture and infrastructure yeah, here though yeah. because the people who live in the county 
maybe won't know the buildings as well as people who live in the city or spend a lot of time <laughs> yeah. in the city. Like there's a, there's a point where it actually does have the lamp. There's a sign yeah. that says a uh, lamp brewery or lamp mansion. No, I think it's just lamp brewery. And uh, I was like, oh, cool. You know, maybe people will kind of check into that a little more, but probably not. Let's, let's be honest. They may assume it's just like a movie. Yeah, I mean, thing. they're like, oh, it's a prop. Okay, yeah. I'll say this. As much as I agree with you, the fact that they use different set pieces for most of it, for me, I was happy that they brought up local things. I was like, oh, shit. So was I. There's no reason to do that. They don't have to do that, but and they did. And I was like, oh, that made me happy. And then also. The suburban town's called like Webster Hills. Right. right? Which yeah. is like, like Webster Groves, right? Yeah, no. yeah. But the other thing was. I am just happy that it showed St. Louis, not as a guy driving through St. Louis and gets oh, yeah. their, you know, rim stolen or something. <laughs> like that's National Lampoon's vacation. Like every movie is like, oh, and in St. Louis, this person got his car jacked. Like, yeah, no, I know. So it was. I, I mean, I agree with you. It clearly isn't St. Louis at times, but like they try to only, make the town way bigger than and what I'm it like, really is. I really only know this because I'm you know i'm lived in st louis for right, so long right. so like i gave them a little bit with that for sure but like did you think i mean technically it was a pretty original take on like a possession type movie yeah no and that's what i really liked how it weaves in I and think out I, of, I think that's where i want to see where you were you were at i like that. how it weaved in and out of urban legend yeah. storytelling versus like this lawn going thing I also like the cult aspect yeah I'm trying to I mean I'm kind of trying not to spoil it yeah but hopefully by now you've taken a look it's on HBO Max um, I mean, it's worth a watch. I think it's worth a watch. But it is long. It is fucking long. In a sense, it reminded me of the Babadook. Very much so. Yeah. I, I think. I mean, like the infection of your mind. Yeah, I, I think. If it is a Babadook riff, it's a little lazy in that oh, well. aspect, but right. But um, just because, you know, but it does. Yeah, it does remind me of that. I'm, I'm trying to kind of like avoid big spoilers, yeah. but I do like the movie. Um, I think I gave it three and a half stars. Yeah, I think and that's what I gave it to. Honestly, if I'm being quite honest, I think it's a three star movie, but I love how confident this director is right. with the story that it kind of pushes it in an extra half. It's like, man, you really went for like the gold on this, but you yeah. might not strike it. Right. Sure. I, I think there's, there's scenes that stick out, especially when the guy goes to investigate out in the boonies, what's happening. That, all that imagery is nightmare fuel. And I'm like, this is very well done. This I, whole sequence is very well done. Yeah. I had to give it like, just, I mean, I agree. It's probably really a three star movie just because it needed to be edited down. Yeah. Um, and the failure to do that, it makes it kind of a, not that good, but I will say that the extra half star for me was the fact that it, it actually scared the fuck out of me at times. So I was just like, shit. if something scares me, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. good job. You get, you get a half a star it's for a, just it's, that. It, it can be, very effective when, at times but then disappoint you in the next scene <laughs> i mean the one scene where they're like looking the girls looking down the hallway and you, or, or you just and you see the shadow oh, yeah. from the stairs yeah, yeah. and you're just like <laughs> you can turn around i'm gonna pee i'm gonna pee <laughs> i'm gonna pee all over this couch rin what did you think i mean did you have the same thoughts yeah, I feel like it could have been cut down, but I've still recommended it to people yeah. because it's like, hey, you can see parts of our city and in this movie, and I, that's kind of neat. I think it's a shame that it got the... It, 
it deserved a better release because I think a lot of people wrote it off as like a Slender Man ripoff just because of the name and how it was advertised. Yeah, if Jeremy hadn't suggested it, I wouldn't. I yeah, don't think I, I mean, seen it. I, I remember hearing about it last year, but it was also, you know, last October, I, I also felt was an opportunity for a lot of independent filmmakers to try to get something scary in the theaters because they had that opportunity because theaters were open and yeah. they're like, we need content. So I just kind of dismissed it as like, oh, they're just trying to make a quick buck without really doing my own research and saying, oh, this is from 20th Century Fox. Oh, it's getting dumped because of this. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think everybody should at least give it a glance. Um, I mean, for this, the, all of the October. unoriginal content that comes out, mm-hmm. especially around that, what you just said. Yeah. Like, this was something at least original. It was somebody just going balls to the wall. And, yeah, there are very scary parts in it. It's too long, so watch it during the day or some shit. Yeah, I don't fucking I mean, know. No. I paused it quite a few times just because I'm like, okay, I need like a little break. It's very heavy at times too. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I would I would recommend watching it if uh, you have HBO Max. Yes. Um, check it out. Cool. You know what else could have been cut down? Me. Army of the fucking dead. <laughs> Are you going to talk about it? No. I watched 1989's Blades, so you don't have to. <laughs> Wait. Did, did, did you, you get the vinegar syndrome? No. I, it, no? it was Blades? Blades. 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 Okay. Is that like Alien and Aliens? No. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> this is not about Snipes. the. Uh, yeah, this isn't is not that, about the daywalker. Isn't that the skating rink in Encino Man? <laughs> no, this is a golf slasher. <laughs> right? <laughs> isn't that right? So. Blades. Oh, that Blades. might be true. So I had it on DVD for the longest time. It was on a three pack with um, mm. Zombie Island Massacre, mm-hmm. and one of my actual personal favorites. Another trauma. Blood movie. Hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blood Hook. Blood Hook. Yeah. Like blood fart. Blood hook, <laughs> also my, known as like favorite. the vinegar syndrome title with a slip that goes for like two hundred and fifty dollars. Right, that's why I have who's it, buying like, that double uh, sleeved and on there. a little podium by itself. <laughs> with that like fucker, a little spotlight light because that fucker is worth money <laughs> for blood hook <laughs> for blood hook. Yeah, it's a piece of shit movie too. <laughs> well, actually, it's fun. It's, it's fun. fun. It's fun. Blades, um, sort not of not so much. Not so much. <laughs> um, if you've seen Jaws, mm-hmm. you've seen this movie. But instead of the ocean, you're on a golf course. Yep. Oh, um, my. <laughs> we don't want to admit that there's a problem because we're going to be filming this Pan Am golf tournament and we uh-huh. don't want to interrupt that. Um, it is beat for beat Jaws. Is there a shark? No, it is a... <laughs> like a killer gopher? It's a killer lawnmower. Oh, my. So, so take Jaws. Oh, my. Take Jaws, add a little bit of... Uh, Gasoline. Hap- Happy Gilmore. A little bit of Mad Men. A little bit episode. of um, Maximum Overdrive. Sounds like Blood yeah. Car. A little bit of Rubber. Take away anything that makes those movies rubber, good. Rubber. That, that's you know what's funny, Niles? I think like we're the only two people that solve Blood Car. I fucking love I that love movie. Blood Car. I show oh, okay. it to we're anyone I can show it to. <laughs> Have you seen Blood Car? No, I haven't. It's fucking hilarious. I will say it's probably more uh, potent during the gas crisis when gas was like four, five dollars. Is it like I bought a vampire motorcycle? Uh, So good. No, I I mean it's ridiculous, but it's fun. Okay, it's like you can borrow that. And honestly, you know, it's funny now that I know Reanimator pretty well. It reminds me a little bit of Reanimator, like how it's it's kind of zany. Zany. Yeah. Right. 
Continue, sorry. So, Blades, Blades. obviously, exploitation film. Um, certainly not the best. I would give that to... I like how you say obviously. Yeah. Well, it's already stated. <laughs> like, I never... I thought it was a... It's, it is a slasher movie. Well, we already set up that it's yeah. Jaws, so... Yeah. What about the car? Is it like the car? No. No. <laughs> no. No. It's more like Maximum Overdrive. Right. Okay. Like Chopping Mall? Or that. Robots. I mean, yeah, I guess. Or that. Okay, sorry, Roger. <laughs> Keep going. So it's certainly not the greatest exploitation film, but um, I've seen worse. I think what what separates it is it's it's complete bizarre setup. You know, it being a, a sent you know a sentient angry uh, lawnmower that kills people on you know the sand traps and shit. But um, yeah, it, it it copies Jaws so much, like even to the point where like. Oh, we got the lawnmower that's been killing everybody. And the the guy, the main character whose name is Roy for fuck's sakes. You know, like just Roy? Roy Yeah, no, he's got a last name, but who cares? It's, is it Schneider? No. Schneider? No. No, but Schneider. Uh no. Okay. No. It's not that obvious, but <laughs> But yeah, they they get the oh, we got the lawnmower that's been used to kill all these people and the guy's like, "Well, no, it can't be that lawnmower because the wheelbase doesn't match up." It's a different size. We should do an autopsy on this fucking lawnmower. <laughs> this is this is ridiculous. to to make sure. Yes, it is so ridiculous. Um, is Bill Murray in it? No, that would have been an improvement, and I really don't like Bill Murray. <laughs> is there? Is so Caddyshack? Is it Caddyshack esque? No, it is Jaws. With it a, is Jaws with a lawnmower. With a lawnmower on a golf course. On a golf course during the PGA Tour. Yes, and okay. um. Yeah, like it is like ninety five percent Jaws, like every single beat, every single setup, everything. And um, do they blow it up? Yes, <laughs> do they, blow it, <laughs> they up? blow it up. So you know, like the <laughs> the iconic line, you know, smile, you son of a bitch. And oh, yeah. Like he shoots it and blows it up. Well, the guy is firing golf balls at this at this lawnmower as it's coming towards him, and he keeps missing. Eventually, he yells four, <laughs> hits it, <laughs> it blows up. Um, yeah, it is a ridiculous movie. I need to watch this. It is. Mm-hmm. It sounds good. It is. He just said you don't need to. <laughs> he just said I did. Was just saying that line right there. That right. was it. Well, so you I can mean, buy it for twenty five bucks from Vinegar. No, it sounds cool. <laughs> Andy's video. Um, I'm I, not buying it. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously ridiculous subject matter, and it plays itself totally straight like you could easily take the piss out of it and just make it a big joke but it is like taking itself so seriously i love that so if like That's good if you like absurdity for the sake of absurd it's it's good for a late night watch where's jeremy at <laughs> <laughs> cool 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 and um yeah, you said you watched it on the triple feature, but yeah, the yeah. Blades is coming out through Vinegar Syndrome on, I think, September. Yeah. It is a September yeah. release. And, you know, quite honestly, look, some of these do pop up on Tubi, so right, yeah. maybe maybe take a look there. Yeah. So we just kept on the little Universal train. We got a lot of watching in over the last few weekends because we have little to no social life. Thanks, Panini. Um, Thanks, COVID. Uh, we watched Frankenstein. The OG Frankenstein? Yes. Yeah. It was lovely. Uh, it was done in the same year as Dracula, so these people were busy because it was the same cast, pretty much. Yeah. 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 It, like, all carried over, and they kept putting, like, in the credits, like, a good cast is worth repeating. <laughs> uh, so it was cool to see all these different people play different roles, but still, like, 
sort of be similar people. Love Boris Karloff. Yeah, Boris Karloff is... I, you know, it's funny because I kind of came with the idea. I was listening to, um, there's this Halloween haunt mix that I listened to, um, and it has Borlis Karloff talking. And I was, I was, I don't mean to sound mean at this, but he has a lisp. Yes, he does. And Rumble. so he also had a stutter. And he also had a stutter. And he was bow legged. But he was able to get over his stutter, but he couldn't overcome the lisp well but a lot of I, times your lisp is due to the shape of your mouth and your teeth so total tangent but we were watching tales from the crypt episodes and amanda Plummer's episode where she's like um she shacks up with this fabio looking guy and the fabio looking guy's just in it for you know money essentially yeah i remember that one the way amanda T- Plummer talks is like this old school kind of english proper accent which yeah. she I, I think she mainly gets from her father Christopher Plummer but um, I was like Nikki and I were talking about how people talk and like I'm like oh look at Vincent Price you know he's from St. Louis but he talks like very proper and demure and all this other stuff and I was thinking of Boris Karloff where he wants to do that but he's also got this lisp which also makes him a very unique voice anyway sorry no, you're absolutely fine. But it's it's just interesting to me, like voice coaching wise, that um, he became very popular, not only for his acting roles, but also for his audio work right. and voiceover work. His voice is very unique. And you wouldn't think that like when somebody says they have a lisp, they're they're not like a prime candidate for voiceover work. A lot of my favorite people in real life have lisps. Yeah. Like my husband. Oh, I have a slight lisp. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, um, Frankenstein. It had a lot more depth than I was anticipating. I thought it was going to just go straight to crazy guy in a lab, you know, just saying like, it's alive, which yeah. I mean, you know, that's all the I mean, classic. Right. <laughs> but it was so much more than that. And seeing the creation go about and try to figure out what he is. And just interacting with different people in different ways was very interesting. Seeing him play with the little girl. That's the most heartbreaking moment. Oh my God. I was like not expecting it. And it's also like people didn't swim back in the day. Right, right. right. That was not like a recreation thing. It was it was more of, of privilege, right? right? Well, I mean, technically it was my first time watch as well. And I think it's one of those things that like, I really? I, I'm telling you, wow. dude, I'm the weirdest. I, I find it so weird that I, I mean, I thought I had seen these, but I have not because watching or maybe them, you've seen like, bits and pieces. Sure, of right, 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 right. But like, I've seen young Frankenstein a billion <laughs> right. times. Yeah. So seeing the connection to that and then also to bride yeah, and yeah. like seeing what, pieces they took from each one and like i'm expecting this little girl to like come out of the the pond oh they just had a fun time nope wrong <laughs> good god and now we watch her father carry her dead body that through yeah. town the holy fuck darkest things i have yeah. seen in that era like gut out that, my the, soul exactly that like scene is 35 so heart and soul crushing it's just like you know you feel empathy for the monster Um, Just because like he's trying, he's trying to feel some sort of human emotion, even though he is a creature. And unfortunately, because he's not human, 
it comes to what happens to the little girl. God damn, I really want to watch these now. <laughs> Son of a bitch. It's going to be like every Saturday. I mean, Saturday. it was one of the things last year I really had on our list because when we bought it, I was like, yeah, this is what we'll do for Halloween. And mm. then it didn't happen because we were too busy or whatever. Right, right. So we've just made a point every Saturday morning to wake up and watch a few, try to get as much like as we it. can. And I'll be honest. I mean, now I feel like we're kind of getting into like mm, the B-sides. We're getting a lot of the B-sides. Like we just watched uh, Werewolf of London, which is a okay. precursor to The Wolfman, sure, sure, sure. which is clearly what people know as. But the werewolf of London has got Warner Orland, uh, the guy who ended up playing Charlie Chan eventually. So he's a, a Swedish actor who ended up getting cast as Chinese because he looked Asian. And they didn't, yeah. they didn't have to add anything to his face to make him look that way. So he was typecast. Um, yeah, it wasn't like Peter Sellers. or anything. No. Yeah. And so it's like a mix of like this odd, sticky, like <laughs> Charlie Chan type character mixed with like. Uh, an odd, it's, it's the weirdest werewolf film I've ever seen because it's like, okay, you go to Tibet to find the, like, oh the, yeah, that's right. This doctor's going to Tibet to find this cure for werewolf syndrome, but like he doesn't actually. The lycanthropy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he doesn't actually have the issue. I don't know why he's there getting his flower then. Anyways. It's yep. a, it's for remember science. when we were talking about, about Frankenstein? Sorry. I was just talking about the box set in general. I mean. I apologize. Time. Um, but yeah, so I always thought the thing with Frankenstein is I always thought that it ends pretty abruptly. I feel like all of the movies end, end abruptly. very abruptly. Yeah. There's no like tie up at the end that like we're used to in modern day. Right. Um, but it's just such a sad movie because he didn't ask to be created. Right. Right. Which, I mean, and, a lot of us can identify with that. And we just kind of feel like bumbling monsters sometimes. Yeah, and that's what, you know, uh, other than Dracula. Um, and look, the invisible man's kind of a dick anyway. Oh, he is a dick, but he also <laughs> was going crazy because of what he done to him. Right. So. Right. Right. But it's really interesting to look at universal monsters like Frankenstein and the mummy and like just looking at like their whole past and how they became these. Whereas, you know, nowadays we're looking at them like icons, but there are very personal stories within these movies that I think get bypassed because of our iconography of these monsters. Right. Because I mean, that's what I was saying. Like I, I never knew that there was like these depths to these movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I grew up watching the Abbott and Costello version. I mean, obviously I saw <laughs> sure, sure. all of that. And so, I mean, they, which I think is a byproduct of the universal monsters becoming so popular, right? Adding humor to, you know, horror is something that everyone can relate to. And I think that was like with the Frankenstein versus Abacostello kind of thing. Like for me, that was my introduction to Frankenstein and Dracula and the Wolfman. Yeah. And they took, the funny thing is, is like they're taking it seriously <laughs> and Abigail are the funny part. But like, mm -hmm. technically there's not like Frankenstein's being a goof. Yeah. You know? No. Yeah. 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 Yeah, like the characters are so ingrained in the public consciousness that they're basically characters right now, and a lot of people don't have any clue of how you know how much depth and tragedy they're actually wearing. To that's the original story. Yeah. yeah. So you would recommend Frankenstein? Yes, one hundred percent. Yes. Cool. Awesome, Niles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. I'm just talking. Um. 
we watched uh actually Roger came over a weekend ago and we watched in the background we watched In Search of Darkness on Shudder. Uh and I started then, watching this as well. And and then also this week during weeknights we've been kind of like tackling it because uh it should have just been special. Well technically features. so here's the deal. So I watched one and two. So that is a total of nine hours of the same kind of wait, nine? Nine. It's four and a half hours each movie, and there's two movies. Oh, that's true. I, I, I think I I have three hours into the first one. So, so I think they're great. They're doing the as like they're doing the Lord's work, they're doing Satan's work, right? Because it's the horror, yeah, right? Sure, uh, sure. They're basically what they're doing is they have uh interviewees that mm-hmm. you would like. So like Robert England and Linnea Quigley. Some interviewees I don't like. And some interviews you don't like. Uh but overall, what they do is, hey, year to year, let's show a movie. Like, here's the the title screen, and let's talk about that movie. Yeah. And then here's the next movie. And then here's the next movie. And here's the next movie. And it's literally nine hours of that. So there's, like, there's little breaks where they'll be like, here's a full topic we'll talk about. Like, kids and horror or comedy and horror. And it's every once in a while it's a nice break. But I'm telling you, it's the... It should have been a web series. It should have been a mini series or something of that sort. I mean, it was nice to like as I told because Rob- they have a third one coming. Yeah. Out. So that means what twelve hours we're gonna have of this shit. I preferred the second one to the first one because the first. I'm one excited really, to see the second one. The second one 100%. really like gets into like what I consider more of like okay yeah obviously Poltergeist was a movie in the '80s and it was a horror movie great let's talk about Bava movies or something like, you know, there's other things and, and they really didn't touch on a lot of anything that wasn't considered. Everybody saw this movie. So for me, it wasn't like I was learning anything. I know all these things and f- to be, I think was in that, um, didn't they have like a startup page and stuff? And like, that was like the whole point of it. It was going to be like a horror movie. So like horror documentary made by horror. It's called a Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. They had a Kickstarter to fund. um, But quite honestly, it was already funded. It was getting filmed. Uh, The Kickstarter, in my opinion, this is totally my opinion, was a marketing tool to get people that love Elvira an Elvira edition or that love Slipknot, a Corey Taylor edition. Oh. And that's why you see, I mean, Elvira obviously I think makes sense, but why is Corey Taylor in this fucking documentary? Well, that's why he's in all of it. Yeah. Um, he'll talk about the garbage and I'm not, I'm not discrediting Corey Taylor's love for horror. I think it's definitely genuine. Right. But it just also, and then you have, um, you know, James from dead meat, who has a very popular YouTube channel, but one of my complaints with him, I don't want to turn this into shit posting, but one of my complaints is he talks in YouTube voice and, yeah. and it just really kind of grades you. It's like, please just talk genuine. I I've heard him talk genuinely and like off the cuff versus scripted. Right. And I think that's more engaging than, well, you, you got, you know, Linnea Quigley as uh, this woman that gets hung up on the, and I just hate the inflection. It just drives me insane. Yeah. You would prefer it, it was like Nexpo where they like whisper sure, it? Well, no, probably not. I, <laughs> that stuff is great to go to bed to. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it does get a little tiresome when he talks. Um, there's a lot of repetitive content for seasoned horror fans. Yeah, and I think 
I mean, the thing for me is I don't consider myself a seasoned horror fan. I think you're at this point. I've been working on it for about five years now, hanging out with Andy and just trying to like soak up. I think you're pretty well versed. But watching this, I was like, man, shit, I've seen almost everything except for these random ones that I've never heard anyone talk about. And let's be honest. I mean, most of the time you hear these obscurities out of these years, there's a reason that it's obscure. Right. You know, like howling to. Hey, <laughs> don't. I like how <laughs> I don't own it, though. I mean, there's a reason I don't own it. So, I mean, it's funny. If you, want- you do watch it, just plan to, like, not watch it in one sitting. How about that? Treat it yeah. treat it as it is a miniseries. You aren't going to miss anything. There's no plot. So, And honestly, I, I don't really see why Shudder doesn't, like, say, hey, let's break it up because people are asking for it. I mean, it, it needs to be episodes. We were so watching too. the first one, and I kept, like, thinking, is it going to be I over I don't soon? know anybody that watched it from beginning to end in one sitting. We did. Uh, the first one we watched when but he was hold okay. on no 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 but we I, were I also think talking so. yeah i don't think that's necessarily true you had it on in the background <laughs> nobody sits down and says okay i'm gonna watch a four-hour documentary all in one sitting yeah you're gonna have you're gonna pause it you're gonna take breaks or it's gonna be on in the background and you're gonna pay attention to the things that Strike your fancy. Are you going to fall asleep and just wake up trying to figure out where the fuck you left off? <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> How is it 89? Right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I haven't finished the first one, but I think it's worth a watch. It's fun to watch. People yeah. just passionately talk about it, including people who are outside of the industry, yeah. so to speak. And they weren't involved in those movies, as well as like Barbara Crampton and... sure. You know, even though, like, quite honestly, personally, I've heard that Caroline Williams is a nut job. I think she comes across very well in the first one. Um, She's very articulate and very smart and has really great outlook on the horror genre. I I, yeah, absolutely. And the only thing I've seen her in is Texas Chainsaw, too. So that's all I had was like, okay, cool. She's on this. Um, The second one, they got a completely I feel like there was a people that they were like talked about a lot like Savini's on there Robert England's on there uh, and that's what I, I I love that they got this talent so it's like the first as well the first movie you have certain cast and the second movie you have a different cast the you first have, one like provided credentials oh, for the I like, feel like that the more the, important people to yeah. want to join in on okay the okay um, what's I can't think because I knew you said yeah. the second one is more the Palma's cuts. wife uh, who, oh Nancy Allen there you go yeah yeah so she's in well, ex-wife right but. sure but I mean during his yeah yeah yeah, yeah. she's she's obviously in the second one mm. and she's one of those people that you know when you watch uh, behind the scenes of horror sometimes the actresses will be a little down on the movie they were in like yeah why are you doing this interview if you hate the thing you're especially in? horror you can tell that she is like trying to lift herself up to like a different level. She's mm-hmm. like, I'm more of the film noir type. I mean, I was uh, in these horror movies, but like, I'm really not a horror fan. And like, it's just like, well, then why are you doing this why, interview? Why are you? It's here? like watching uh, the interviews for Julie Darling. Well, that's exactly yeah. Yeah, that's where she's where like, this is terrible, and it was trash. And it's like, I love this. Civil, it civil, is terrible. Civil? It is trash, and I love it. Civil, civil Danning doing that, yeah. yeah, yeah. I love, but yeah, I think overall it's solid and they should, she break it down into 30 to 45 minute segments and have it as a mini series. And God knows it's a great background, but is it fun to just sit for four and a half hours and be like, and then, and then (laughs) it was very much so an and done. Yeah. So no and done. 
No ending. Cool. If we just break it up into segments like trailers from hell. Yeah. yeah something yeah, like that. Is, but. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the way I, I took it. I, I know I stopped it whenever it was like getting into another year because they have the title cards come up. I'm like, okay, good stop. So I'll the, pick it back up. The first late night grindhouse I ever went to was the five year anniversary where it was Jesus, all trailers I'm and just... Niles didn't explain that to me thoroughly that. enough. And I was not sober at that event. So I was just like, <laughs> when is the movie going to start? Movie? Is it just trailers for two hours? Yes. Yep. 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 That's exactly what it is. You can leave. You didn't get the flyer? <laughs> um, yeah, so cool, cool. In Search of Darkness, that's on Shutter, or you can pay stupid amounts of money for a Blu-ray. Um, so yeah, I guess the second movie I'll talk about because um, the other movie is not horror related, but I would recommend The Villainous if you're into um, foreign action films. I watched Porno. The movie that was supposedly made for me. Your text was just kind of like, I told you, hold on to your balls. Yeah. Um, I kind of forgot about it. Uh, When you said, hold on to your balls, I'm like, oh, that's funny. There's just going to be like some trauma. It's a lot of balls. A lot of of trauma. (laughs) I think I watched it way too early. I'm like, oh, God. But um, Porno is a fun movie. I know we talked about it last uh, last episode and um, you're right. It checked all the boxes Mm -hmm. because, you know, I used to be a projectionist. I was not. Uh, not <laughs> heavy edge. metal, heavy metal Jeff. I was not heavy. You metal weren't Jeff. straight edge. No, I wasn't straight edge. But you know, I was into like hardcore music and metalcore and stuff like that. So I knew those type of people. Right. Um. But yeah, I mean, it, it was <laughs> the religion angle was a little heavy handed and kind of very jokey, but yeah. it also serves a purpose in the story, right? But, um. I really, I liked it, but I also felt like it just needed more of a polish. Um, I thought the movie was a little too low budget. It could have looked way better cinematography wise. Um, And I think it just could have been a little tighter. But other than that, it is fun time. Uh, I I give it like three stars, which I realize is less than Empty Man. But um, yeah, it's... I think it's mainly going to be a hit for people that were fans of a league of their own, just theaters in general. I mean, yeah, league of their own or Encino (laughs) man, which I was laughing at that, like just for the posters that they had one, like Encino man definitely looked more like the poster, which is owned by Disney versus a league of their own was totally fabricated and is nothing like the original theatrical poster. And I was just kind of curious why that was because I thought Disney would give them a harder time, but nitpick. Okay, cool. Great. Uh, I really did dig porno. I thought it was a lot of fun. It reminded me at times, of course, of popcorn. And, um, I, I think it strikes a lot of nostalgia feels for people that were, you know, just fans of not necessarily horror, but just going to the theater. I think a lot of that is just kind of fun. And like, especially working at a theater, of course, you know, if we found anything theater related that was like forbidden or like hidden off or sealed, it was just like, Oh my God, what the fuck is this? You know, like I, I worked at a theater. I started working in a theater in 1999 and Oh wow. Like, 
I think I saw Blair Witch Project in the theater probably about 10 times because I worked there. I'm not surprised. And it was, you know, it was one of those things like, oh, some of the ushers and some of the concessionists were all going to like, you know, since nobody's we got to close down the theater we're gonna watch it at like fucking midnight and we would run the movie and it was just a lot of fun uh i think this movie does capture a lot of the camaraderie of working at a theater even though you know some of the characters don't like each other but i think there's a general fondness or respect normal teenage jobs you know so i think it's a good capture of like teenage working at a theater so if you did that or you know somebody who did that this is definitely up your alley. Um, and the religious angle is funny too. Uh, but overall, you know, I was like, man, I kind of wish things were done a little better in the movie, but overall I thought it was, it was an enjoyable movie. Yeah. I mean, I will say the weakest parts were definitely like the, the goth girl. No, it's, it's like, I really like, I really (laughs) like the first half and then the second half felt rushed. It felt there's like, some CGI issues, things like that. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, some of that just is. feels really cheap, right? It's right? very cheap. They're and, hindered by their budget, but it's a movie called porno released on shutter. Yeah. I don't know where I was. I was surprised on how good it was. Yeah. And especially the theme was like, Oh my God, Andy has to at least try to watch this. No, 100%. I mean, you guys nailed it. It is definitely a, a type of film that I would love. I think um, it's a good group watch. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a, it, it's a fun movie to watch. I think, uh, you know, shit spooky season has started. I mean, we're drinking Schlafly pumpkin ale, so it's officially started. Um, I think it's a good watch for like right around now. So, so it, going. Ha- it has nothing to do with porno Holocaust. Uh, uh, no, no, sorry. Okay. No, no uh, disease dicks in this one. But <laughs> hold on to your dicks. But hold on to your balls specifically. Yeah, I thought that some of that was really good, though. I thought some of their like practical that was effects brutal. was some pretty of the, brutal. the practical, especially yeah. the one we're talking about. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, with the shoelace. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, what is that going to help? I was taking deep breaths. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. The whole underlying plot was uh, a good twist. I felt. I thought so too. Because you know, I, I really was, liked it. You know, I mean, yeah. especially because you know, I'm still. <laughs> Still reading that Satanic Panic book, so a lot of that was just kind of like that's been a solid year. Yeah, I think book. it's been I'm like two years. Awful. Reading a book with pictures, so many pictures. I've looked at. Just put it, pictures. put it on your shitter. There's not that many pictures. It's like half pictures. There's decent. Just keep pictures. the book in your bathroom. Don't bring your phone in the bathroom. Just knock out a chapter Life on hack. the shitter. Life Got hack. it. Got it. Your legs will go numb looking at memes anyway. <laughs> But yeah, that's porno. That's on Shutter as well as uh, in the Search of Darkness that we previously talked about. Cool. Let's get into 1987's Near Dark, directed by Catherine Bigelow, starring Lance Henriksen, Bill Paxton, Adrian Pestar, Jenny Wright, and uh, Jeanette Goldstein. Is this Aliens? Basically. Basically. Thank God for James Cameron. Dude, he's just raising the bar. It's funny because, like, I, I. I assume y'all saw the aliens on the marquee. Yes. yes. Theater. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't look it up yesterday because I wanted you to explain why it's a good amount of the cast and also the aliens reference. Wait, you don't know? No, I don't know. Tell us, Andy. Uh, 
annoying. Oh, are we annoying you with our friendship? No, 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 no. So this is uh, Catherine Bigelow's directorial debut. Catherine Bigelow. Who is Catherine Bigelow, you may ask? She was married to James Cameron. Oh, that makes total sense. James Cameron was the one that recommended... Obviously, all the cast and Bill Paxton, Bill fucking Paxton. Her, her. It's weird because, like, I think her feature film was actually The Loveless from '81 with William Defoe. Arrow just recently put it out. I think she just co-directed but she, it. I, yeah, I want to say she just co-directed it. So this is her first feature-length on her own directorial debut. Um, and she co-scripted this with Eric Red, who was a very hot commodity in the 80s. Eric Red also uh, scripted and did he direct uh, Bad Moon? I always forget. Fuck. But Eric Red also wrote The Hitcher, which was very popular in the 80s as well. Um, that was kind of his standout. And then there was Near Dark and then Cohen and Tate, Blue Steel with Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Body parts. You know, there's a lot of really... Um, Interesting. He's a very concrete screenwriter, no doubt about it. I think he's a Blue great Steel is also Catherine Bigelow too. Right? Yeah, 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 and that's also Catherine Bigelow. So, like, um, but yeah, it, to explain the aliens thing is uh, Catherine Bigelow. I I want to look this up because I forget how long they were married. Not that it really matters, but um, this was before the marriage of. James Cameron, but they were definitely dating and kind of involved. They were only married for two years from 89 to 1991. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, this was two years prior to their marriage, but I think that, like I said, they were dating and she was also involved. I want to say with maybe some of the second unit stuff of aliens, but yeah, it was totally Cameron saying, Hey, I want you to make this movie. You let's go into the horror genre because it's, it's easily financeable and we have a decent cast from aliens that I think they'd be down for work. So he said, yeah, let me give you Lance Henriksen, Bill Paxton, Jeanette Goldstein from aliens, but they're, you know, they're not, I mean, they're main characters in the movie, but the main characters are really played by Adrian Pastar, who later came into fame with what heroes, right? Yeah. And then, uh, Jenny Wright, who, she was in a whole bunch of stuff in the 80s. Um, St. Elmo's Fire was the probably her breakout role, but I know she was also in The Wildlife with Chris Penn. Mm. Um, it's uh, If you saw the cover art, it's just like a top-down view in a convertible. It kind of reminds you somewhat of... Corvette Summer? Crossroads <laughs> with Britney Spears? Crossroads, yes. Crossroads with Britney Spears. It's a coming-of-age film. Um the wildlife was written by Cameron Crowe. That's oh, okay. that's where yeah, yeah, it became yeah. important. But she's also in a really great film, very underrated film that I highly recommend you watch. But I think maybe you have I Madman. No. So I Madman is directed by the guy who did The Gate. I've seen The Gate. It's silly. See I Madman. That's all I'm going to say. The gate's silly, right? Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. But it's, the gate is also silly. awesome. <laughs> Scream Factory Blu-ray is out of print. And so you'd have to rent that from Andy's video and take real good care of it. We generally throw your DVDs on the floor. I knew it. I fucking naked. knew it. God and then I, I have the dog walk on them with her shitty I mean, little feet. I mean, I could feet. borrow it and Asia was lost. 
from Asia with lust. Yeah. Can you read us the back of that? I want to know yeah. the plot. <laughs> Rape Revenge Saga. Oh, no. Yeah. It's like my least favorite. Those are genre. like uh, the free DVDs that I got from Troma. Spending all the other money on porn. Oh, that's Troma? Let me see. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Let me see. Anyway. So 1987's Near Dark is uh, the American neo-Western horror film, as Wikipedia calls it, which I wholeheartedly agree, yeah. co-written and directed by uh, Catherine Bigelow, the yeah. other co-writer. Being she didn't even want to do a horror movie. She was really interested in making a Western. But yeah. That yeah. was the only way to get a finance because vampire movies are in. And it's funny because, um, you know, like 1987 was obviously also the Lost Boys. Lost Boys. And you got Fright Night in there, too. Yeah, so I well, wait, Fright Night I thought was 86. I don't know. I heard that was big before uh, before Near Dark came out. Um, oh, God, we're both wrong. Fright Night was 85. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I think there was a point in time where it was like, oh, you're either a Near Dark person or a Lost Boys person. Right. And I am more of a Near Dark person versus Lost Boys. Yeah. What is happening? Well, I'm I mean, suggestive facial expressions to him. It's uh, near dark doesn't have the comedic relief that you get from. Right. Does Lost it not? Because I kind of find Bill Faxon severing okay. kind of no, 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 no. <laughs> the comedic. I'm telling relief. you, as a person who just watched Near Dark for the first time, <laughs> and I've seen Lost Boys like a hundred times, it is a very different movie. Right. One hundred percent. I like, will agree. There is that. very much a Monster Squad vibe right. in Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. It's like Monster Squad mixed with Near Dark. How about that? And for me, you know, I mean, granted, even though both Lost Boys and Near Dark came out in 87, meaning I was only six years old, um, I, I still feel like that Near Dark versus Lost Boys legacy kind of carried over like into 10 years and people were like, oh, which one do you like more? It always just got compared. I have never heard of this movie until it was time to watch it for the podcast. Okay. Okay. So I'm very interested to see what you guys thought on mm. the first time watch. I don't think you'll like what I have to oh say. Oh boy. Oh God. No. No. Anyway. All right. So uh, the movie, if you're not familiar with it, um, well, first off, do we need to talk about the availability of this movie? It's not. <laughs> so you may remember that Near Dark was going to be available, and it was July on Shutter on July 1st. It is already gone, and that's something we kind of ran into before um, we recorded. Yeah, because As of yesterday. technically me and Roger were sitting in my living room going, hey, what's a good movie that you would want to talk about, Roger? And, you, and we were just scrolling through Shutter, and Near Dark was on there, and he goes, Oh, yeah, I talk about that. And I was like, okay, cool. I've actually never seen Near Dark, and it's on my list of blind spots that I need to watch because I know how important it is, especially for, like, the vampire genre. Yeah. That it's – I know it's a one-off. I know it's its own thing, and it takes it in a different direction. And I know these things because, obviously, being in the horror, you know, hang out with horror You could people. say community. Community, fine. Yeah. That I was one of those things that, oh, I have to watch this. Everyone fucking talks about this. Um, but yeah, no, it definitely just like disappeared. You can't yeah. even fucking rent it. So this is actually uh, another film that Manuela wanted to show. And I want to show it. But unfortunately, it is owned by Dino De Laurentiis. Um, and 
basically the the bottom line with Dino De Laurentiis films is they are not rentable for theatrical exhibition, which really sucks because I would love to show this. I really wanted to show a couple of other of his films um, that you just can't show them. So luckily I had the Blu-ray or quote unquote, luckily I had the Blu-ray because I popped it in and I have fucking disc rot. So uh, yeah, it, it was a fun watch trying to watch this again because I wanted to get it fresh in my brain. Because, you have the twilight cover? Uh, yes, I do have the twilight cover. Now, granted, I think everybody that's listening knows that um, it was quote unquote announced that it's going to have a 4k release uh, studio canal owns the rights to it and they are doing a 4k restoration. Um, it hasn't been officially announced, but my hope is that it comes out this year um, because it definitely needs to be more publicly available. 100%. Yeah. I was thinking that that was the other reason in the back of my head as I had seen somebody announce something about a 4k being released this year. And so that was like, Oh, this will be coming out and we should yeah. probably, it still be hasn't time. been officially announced. Okay. So that that's the bummer of it because it's, it's still technically a rumor, but it, it's, you know, the people that reported it are pretty good at their sources it's just now it's a question of when it's going to be put out really um but i what i love about this is it throws the vampire conventional vampire thinking and logic kind of out the window and flips it on its head and like we were talking about it does kind of make it more of a western sort of but it's also you know what i also really like about it so let me back up caleb played by um, Adrian Pastar is a, he's a young kind of dude, uh, in a very small town, very farm oriented, small town, my kind of people, <laughs> <Yeah>. rural, <laughs> rural. Uh, he has, you know, he has access to a horse. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest that first scene, I kind of got like, I kind of looked at my wife was like, uh, oh. There's three good old boys and yeah. they're looking at a pretty, pretty, pretty thing. lady. And you're like, I like, I like this is going to be rapey. I know how this movie turns out. But that's what I love about it is that, that in, in, and I don't know if this was maybe a response to some of those films because we're talking about, you know, rape revenge films were very popular in the late 70s into the 80s that this may have been more of a response to it. Like, oh, we're going to set you up thinking that it's this type of movie, but well, then we're going to flip the fucking head. To be fair, Caleb looks pretty fucking predatory at the beginning of this 100%. movie because he is circling the lead female in this movie 100%. and he is eyeballing her when he knows his buddies are just at the end of the sidewalk. And encouraging and is, him. Right. Yeah. That is very intimidating as yep. a woman who is alone. And also when she demands to be taken home uh -huh. he keeps trying to get her to stop and then it goes all the way to the point where they're driving down these backcountry roads where there is nobody and he stops and he stops and then you like, gotta kiss shifts. me yeah he shifts and he's like well you gotta give me a kiss and i'm like oh good i expected her to rip out his goddamn throat because which that is infuriating do. which she doesn't do which no is she falls for the toxic masculinity because it's the 80s 100 and but however what i do like about this scene is that's also when um the roles are kind of flipped and she is more dominant over him and throughout the film like yeah and uh, throughout i feel like 
I agree with you, but at the it same does time, flip. But the beginning does not make him look good. One hundred percent. That's what I'm. But saying. I think I think that's what the movie's trying to do is like saying, "Oh, we're gonna go with this wave of this masculinity, but we're gonna comment on it. We'll get there. Just give us time." And I think once you have that time evolve, and the story progresses. Then it says, okay, we're don't worry, we're not assholes. <laughs> we're gonna turn this. And what I love about it, even though Caleb, when yeah, when you break it down, he's kind of an kind of a misogynistic asshole. But he's then again, just it's, doing what boys do. But yeah, that that's the other thing is I think the placement in a very small rural town also helps lend to some sort of empathy towards him when he's going through what he's going through after um after may turns him so just a basic plot point uh may is is played by jenny wright and yep she's a vampire and she i i wouldn't say accidentally turns him it seems pretty intentional after he kind of denies her like hey i'm not gonna take you home unless you give me a kiss so she basically says well you asked for it here we go and turns him and she decides that she's going to care after him and try to nurture him to become this vampire, which he's going to have to do some pretty taboo things for what he grew up on. Um, his father is played by Tim Thomerson, from, who you might recognize as a doll man from the Full Moon movies. Yeah. Um Nothing. Continue. Trancers. I was like, I, I, I know him from <laughs> something, but I like can't remember what. I wonder is, what so. you know him from because we've had this conversation where um you don't know the full moon Doll filmography very master. much. <laughs> he which, was also, what, I mean, he was also master? in Fade. The, huh? Which oh, Dollman Doll versus, versus Puppet nah, Master. I don't know that. Or was it he was also voice? in Fade the Black, which you watched Legit. recently, and I think that's when I said, oh, I recognize this guy from this other movie. Yeah. But what I really, I, I mean, so you have. What the fuck's his name? Tim. Timerson? Thomerson. Tim Thomerson. Caleb's, Caleb's father is named Tim Thomerson. And then uh, Caleb has a sister, uh, Sarah, who's, I don't know how old, but she's very Maybe young. like 10. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I'd say under 10, most likely. And what's interesting is like there's a family dynamic that we're not introduced to right out, off the bat, but when. Caleb's father is looking for Caleb. Um, he brings along Sarah, the 10 year old for whatever fucking reason, as opposed to saying, Hey, stay at home and answer the phone. If Caleb calls, well, she's a baby, but she's also a, yeah, she's also 10 years she's old. So a I get a small child and there is not another adult at the house. It yeah. would have been worse if they left the child at the house. Yeah, and I because- guarantee you she can shoot a gun. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the other thing is like, this is like uh farm folk, right? What? I it know was where, the 80s. I know where I know him from. Where do you know him from? Who's Harry Crumb? The John Candy film. Thank God Great. we figured out that. And mystery. then also he's in Fear and Loathing. Who's he in Fear and Loathing? He's one of the, recognize? He's one of the reporters that when they, they're okay. doing the motorcycle or the dirt bike event in the sand dunes or whatever. So he's you're one like, of the re- reporters. Oh, I know this guy. He's no, from Fear I really, and Loathing. I know him from Who's Harry Crumb because he's yeah. like the shitty boyfriend yeah, who yeah, like yeah. helps with the murders and stuff. But what I love about Near Dark is that it it sets you up for a typical standard horror film 
not even really a horror film uh, at first until you know what Jenny Wright's character may actually does and turns him over. Then you're like, Oh, I know what I'm getting into. But what's great about this film is like every 10 minutes, it flips it on its own head and it says, no, we're going to give you something different. It's actually a Western film. And it's, it's, they're kind of treated as outlaws on the run. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then I even, I really like, even though you don't see too much of what happens, um, the robbers that, try to rob um jesse and um jeanette's character fuck i already forgot what her name is uh diamond back yeah. yeah so when uh when the one guy's like hey i'm trying to get a lift mm-hmm. and hops in the back seat and tries to rob diamond back and jesse smart jesse's just like I'm just laughing because I can't wait to see what your face looks like with, with it ripped off or whatever. And I'm like, fuck, we don't see that, unfortunately. But I still think it's a very interesting setup because these guys are obviously toying with humanity. I did like whenever the kid is like on the on the side of the street with his bike. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Um and what's great is uh, so the the vampire group if you will. So uh let me let me back up a little bit. So Caleb uh and May are their own thing and then May says, "Hey, look, I have a family. Here's my family, but it's not a traditional family. It's almost like a post-nuclear family." And what's great is you have these characters that are of different age groups but they they their human form is different and when when i'm kind of more or less alluding to is there's a child vampire named homer who's played by joshua john miller if you're not familiar with him he is the son of jason miller who played father karis in the exorcist he's also interesting i did not know he's a great screenwriter that wrote uh the final girls yeah he co-wrote it Anyway, I recognize in, the boy because he's in all kinds of things. He's yeah. the class of nineteen ninety. He's also right. in Teen Witch, right? Teen yeah, Witch. yeah, yeah. Um, but I love his performance in this movie because he feels like this genuine, jealous older man that's trying to get after May, but keeps getting shot down because May's not interested in him. Very spiteful. He is very spiteful. Uh, I mean, his whole presence is a. Um, I mean, it is literally in a nutshell. Puberty. He is 100%. He is, I'm young, but I'm not. I look young and I'm not, but, and so he ends up like falling for the sister basically of the the yeah. guy and and jesse well he's like well she's of my age i mean you know of my he's physical age figured so out I'm going a loophole he's like this yeah. is mine now if i can turn her into one of me then it's okay probably well yeah and i mean he just sees what may and caleb kind of have right and he's like well if you can turn caleb then i can turn caleb's sister sarah and right. she can be mine and you know We'll we'll just call it even. I won't go after May anymore. Right. right? Well, I mean, that's one of those things, though. Like, we actually don't know how old he is. That's because yeah. I mean, Lance Hendrickson is like. Uh, well, he alludes to the uh, Chicago well, Fire of eighteen seventy one and fighting for the South, right? Yeah. He. I was about to say the only thing we re- I really got from him was that he fought for the South and that that was how old he was. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I mean, over a hundred and fifty years yeah, old, I sure. guess. But um. Yeah, and that's what I love, like, the dynamic between them all is a, 
as a family unit and as their own, like Jesse and Diamondback feel like old souls, right? But there's a feministic edge to Diamondback that I really fucking dig that she's not going to take any bullshit. And especially with those robbers, you know, even though the guy does stick the, the muzzle of the gun, like down her shirt or whatever, she's in complete control. And that's even though it's like a snippet, it's maybe, I don't know, a 40 second to two minute scene. I think what you like is that she knows that she's stronger than them. Right. And she's like, all right, if you know, if you I'm going to let you fall into my trap. It's like the whole spider thing, right? Um, She's like, yeah, sure. Fall in the trap because maybe you taste better that way. I don't know. Um, But I I love in Jennifer's body. I need you scared. (laughs) Right. I mean, there's there's a mythology to this film that doesn't get explained. And I don't think it necessarily needs to be explained because I think it's it's maybe more. Um, not potent, but more satisfying to imagine like what this mythology is and how they operate as a unit and how they get new blood. Because that's the other thing is Caleb obviously is still trying to figure out what the fuck's happening to him, even though, you know, it, it's apparent to the audience that, hey, bud, you're a vampire. Well, I mean, that's the big takeaway from the film as a whole is that they never say the word vampire. There right. is no mention of it. They don't even act like that's a thing. It's some kind of disease that makes like elongates their life and yet they still have every single night they they have to feed on a human and it's i mean i don't know they never bring it up so is this in a world where vampires don't exist is this like you know are they literally just like taking us out into a a different type of parallel universe where there are no vampires look the universe building is kind of hard to say anyway because you do see the aliens on the marquee and you have three three actors that are obviously no one mentions vampire in the movie so we're supposed to assume that this is a thing that isn't doesn't exist. There's no name for right. it. Right. And and the only thing, like, I mean, silver isn't brought in the play. It's just the sun, right? Yep. They have to just, stay out of the no sun. No stick fucking, to the heart. Nope. Just <laughs> stay away from the sun or you'll blow up. Yeah. So you don't get the typical vampire archetypes with it. But I I mean, I, I really do dig this movie because of how different it feels mm-hmm. versus The Lost Boys, which is more um, told from a teenage angle. Right. Yeah. It, you know, you have the the sexy boy vampires and it's like, oh, those are the teen beat idols. And and then you have somebody who's getting introduced into that vampire. I don't want to say religion, but that vampire dynamic. Cult. Right. Yeah. Cult. It, it, it's it's something different versus near dark where you're it's more survival oriented. Right. So it's their safety numbers. There's uh, he first not only has to learn the, what are the rules, you know, figuring out like right. how to live as this person. And then, yeah, it's like it reminds me a lot of the like the outsiders or like that kind of. Yeah. Vibe yeah because yeah. it's like a small group of just people trying to figure out how to not only survive in their existence like in the world but like how to survive together and and i think them their dynamic of figuring out does he fit does he not fit in is he willing to kill somebody to become part of us fully or not yeah is he willing to and really what it comes down to is him being is he (laughs) in love with the, the girl he just met who who basically sucked his blood are you in love enough with this female to spend the rest of your life well right. ex- eternity with yeah. this human and he 
is given the opportunity to not do that, go back to his family and live his normal life. And he chooses that. Yeah. And that's that's what it comes down to is like this man was giving eternity and he said no. No. I don't think it had to do with his feelings for her. I think it had to do with his connection to his humanity. Yeah. Yeah. And to his family. And that's really what it was. But I'm saying like they if he would have felt something for this girl, if there was more, if she was more important to him. Like that was the idea was like, Oh, well now that she's attached to him, he's going to want to be part of this group. But like, nah, you're all right. But I don't know about this. I need you to go out and kill somebody tonight and eat them. <laughs> yeah. No. Or else we can't be together. Yeah. I'm Are gonna, you going to do it? I'm going to go home. I'm going to hang out with my old Paul. You yeah, mean, that's what you I thought. Pizza? Here's and my I went crazy with ass you. dad. And my batshit crazy stepbrother. Yeah. And that's, I mean. Now let's go eat people. So if you want to ask me what I thought about this movie, right. I thought it was tight. I thought it was, it was great because it was just this small cast mm-hmm. in this desert scene. There's really not much to it except for like the, the saloon scene that like. Is Which, okay. Crazy. So, cool. so let's, let's talk. Oh, really? Ugh. I mean, there's like three songs. I get it. <laughs> She, I'm telling you, she did not like this movie. Really, I did, I did not like this movie. I felt like it fell really fucking flat. Wow, honestly, okay. it was just like watching, I'll- like like Roger said, like watching a western movie with some action, and it was like, okay, cool. I don't, hmm. I don't care about any of this. But you liked it, right? I thought it was phenomenal. Okay, I thought uh, it brought archetypes into characters. That were way deeper than they needed to be. I thought that uh, obviously the just stop point where Bill Paxton becomes an absolute badass in the bar and just like makes. Yeah, I mean, he's like my new favorite character before it was Chop Top last year when I saw (laughs) Texas Chainsaw 2. Now it's Bill Paxton. That scene got me into the cramps, too. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, everything about him is fucking amazingly cool. And yes, yeah, man, he's who you want to be for Halloween. I I mean, what do... Oh, did you ever see Patrick's costume? Was he him for Halloween? Yeah, it was pretty spot on. It was pretty good. Um, Like, what what didn't strike your fancy on the movie other than was it just because like it felt too much like a Western or were there characters that you didn't really care for? I I was overall just like not really feeling a spark with it. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't feel like a real reason for Caleb and May to be into each other other than just being young and pretty. They don't have anything in common. And so like the, the lack of depth and like we didn't really get to know much about the other characters and it was just like, oh, we're on the run constantly and there's sun. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. I but mean, where is this going? Okay. I, I see where you're saying. It felt like it went fucking nowhere. And at the end of the day, he still ended up back home in a dusty field. Yeah. I mean, it's more of a character getting into the day of the life of somebody completely or a unit that's completely opposite from his I family mean, unit. It's right? super. So yeah, like you said, it's a day in the life. That's all it is. That's all there's, it is. There's no real plot. There's no real. Plot. It's just, this person is now thrown in the situation for one day and how is he going to come out of it? Okay, cool. And then what happens to these people? Okay, cool. There really is no plot. It is except for him becoming a vampire and then unbecoming a vampire and then the revenge factor. I mean, what I do like about the film, even though like I, and maybe you guys correct me if I'm wrong, because I think of this as a solid discussion to have is that does may 
bite him and turn him out of reluctance because she's like, oh, well, this is what young people do. They make out. But because I'm a vampire, I also have this urgency or this desire to like, well, I like him, so I need to keep him with me. Because I think there's a there's but she a, runs away automatically. She does run away. And it, I think it's the struggle with the character, not necessarily with the storytelling, but with the character, how she's like, I want to behave this way, but I also need to behave this way because I'm completely different from humans. I'm completely different from people. I think she liked him enough to not want him to die, but she was really hungry. Right. And that's the other thing It's like to me, when she turns him, it feels very spontaneous and maybe accidental kind of like sometimes having intercourse with somebody you've just met right. if if because all of the blood sharing between them all felt very uh sexual and i guess that's the thing that like feels it feels like a one night stand that's what yeah. it feels like that lasted too long yeah that lasted <laughs> i guess instead then, of her getting pregnant he becomes a vampire but then she yeah. has to she has to under Still like she understands though. that like <laughs> oh well fuck now i have this responsibility because i turned him that i need to help him well it is the woman's responsibility you know they aren't aren't they in texas oh Oof. shit what just dropped it was pretty heavy <laughs> uh but but i mean honestly like yeah, she feels a responsibility to like make sure he doesn't die. Like, hey, I just did this thing to you. You have to do this in order to survive. And by by you know, she's going to kind of like baby him and take him under her wing and say, "Hey, I'm going to feed and then you can feed off of me," which isn't really addressing the whole problem, right? She's kind of coaxing him along and I feel like this thing like where she's she wants to be in this trial relationship with him and it's just abnormal because she's like, Oh, well I have to keep you alive to, in order to do this. So here we go. And but she's let's just see like, if we work out. This and, relationship is really draining me. <laughs> and then also the fact that her, her own family isn't accepting him. He's not trying to be, I mean, <laughs> Who'd you bring home to dinner? Well, yeah. You know, for I mean, dinner? I, I think May is probably the most interesting character because she still doesn't. I don't think she's really made the decision on what side she wants to be on. Right. Does she want to be right. a human? Is she longing for like, hey, I want to step out in the sun. I want to have a normal life. I don't want to be out on the run. I don't want even though like this is the family that I've attached myself to, but it's the family I attach myself to. Because of something that happened. Remember, Homer turned her. And it was, you know, from what I... That's the other thing that I love this world building that is totally dependent on the viewer's imagination. That's what I really dig about it. It doesn't give you a lot. As I said... But it it does. But, I mean, it doesn't give you... It doesn't spell... enough to make you have assumptions. It doesn't... Yeah, it doesn't spell everything out, but it plants the seeds so you can try to fill in the gaps. And that's what I really like about it, and I think that's why Eric Red's screenplay with Catherine Bigelow is pretty exceptional. And I think a lot of that is Eric Red coming through because he is a very great screenwriter. Will I say his end products are great? I don't know because I mean, bad moons, a kind of fun werewolf movie, but does it hit the mark? I don't, it, I, I, I struggle with that. I one. don't like that movie. Yeah. I mean, it, there's like great moments in it, but 
I think the storytelling and the screenwriting is pretty solid. And I want to say that this is probably one of Eric Red's best screenplays. Uh, his next best being The Hitcher, but I think The Hitcher yeah. mainly relies on Rutger Hauer's yes, performance. I agree. Well, and I feel like this is very performance driven too. I mean, it's not. I mean, you change one person in this cast. Yeah, it's not going to work. Well, and that's the other great thing, right? Is that most of this cast, um, when you take May and Caleb out of it, when you have the main family unit, they're B actors. They're character actors that you know, like, oh, I've seen this guy. He was in Aliens and he was in Terminator. And I've seen this woman. She's been in Aliens. And granted, a lot of these people come from Aliens. We've already discussed that. But Bill Paxton, you know, I mean, Bill Paxton, in my opinion, shines in this fucking movie. Weird science. (laughs) Like, he is so good at being this troublemaking, kind of like hillbilly vampire, I guess you could say. Because, I mean... He's punk rock. He's a shit heel. Yeah, he's a shit heel. That is the best (laughs) way to say Bill Bill Paxton's character is definitely a shit heel. I love the scene when they go into the tavern, even though, like, it feels... What I will say, the only detriment to it is like, oh, this is going to be a set piece. Yeah. Like, you can kind of predict that something big's going to happen. With like Lance Hendrickson standing underneath the fan, the light just keeps going over his yeah. face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I, th- I think this movie's fucking amazing. So, but- <laughs> Deep Dig, Deep Dig, do you know who the kid is that they let go? No, no, I don't. James LaGrosse, who you just recently watched in Phantasm 2. Oh, okay. That's funny. <laughs> can't can't miss those beautiful eyes. That's a lot of connections. It does have really wow. good eyes. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I I love this movie. Um, and I've always been more of a near dark fan than a Lost Boys fan. But what's funny is like as my years have progressed and now I'm 40, I do kind of look back at Lost Boys and like kind of have this nostalgic wonder to it. But I, I think as a horror fan, I prefer Near Dark. I've only seen both of those films one time, one time, one time a piece, and I still think I prefer Lost, Lost Boys. Boys. It was just more fun, and it was yeah, like it is definitely more fun. It's yeah, a they play with coaster. the vampire shit a lot mm-hmm. more. Yeah, Near Dark reminded me a lot of, and it also gives you the goods. It yeah. gives you the visual goods, like oh, these are vampires, and they have spooky lighting, and they have fangs, right? Versus these, Which, you me, don't really I see. The, I think I want the lore. I yeah. think that's where There's I'm at with vampires because you don't see any no. fangs. I want the depth. I want to sink my teeth into. I will it. say as an example of a you know i hadn't seen this film i will say that it reminded me a little bit of john carpenter's vampires mixed with like dust till dawn like but i'm just saying yeah the environment of vampire movies that remind me of this i think though both those movies were inspired by near dark yeah you know because it's like got that i can get the gritty feel yeah from near dark westerny from dust till dawn yeah So and especially like even the structural setup. Yeah. Of from Dust Hold On where you think it's a crime movie and then it turns into a horror movie. Right. Which is something that um, unfortunately got spoiled by, you know, the promotion of that movie. I think it would have been great if everybody came into and there were people that came into it like, oh, it's a new Tarantino crime movie. I'll watch this. And then there's fucking vampires that pop up. I love that reveal. Um, but I, I do agree with you. I think uh, the grittiness of near dark and the desert feel and the isolation and just the survival um, kind of also bleeds over in, I feel also inspires from dust till dawn in, in a weird way. I mean, when you look at the history of vampires, they're always seen as this like Victorian 
prestige. Right. And I would think that this is an early adaptation where it's not the case. They are literally nomadic people trying to survive, you know, by feeding and running. Yeah. It seems like it'd be more real world. It's it's one of the early films that treats vampires like an animal, an animalistic view on like, hey, we need to survive. We need to take the blood of humans in order to survive. If we don't, this is what's going to happen. And I also love that, um, you know, up to this point, I really don't know of a lot of vampire films that you got to see where there was a, a elongating view of the damage that the sun does to you. Yeah. Because like Fright Night, you know, the sun rays hit you, you explode. And that does happen in this film as well. But it like builds up, but it builds up. You actually catch on fire and you're walking around on fire because the sun is literally burning you. And then eventually like your body cannot take it anymore and you explode. Right. This movie's badass, man. I really like this movie. I'm the kinda, fucking scene I'm where they're bummed in the, that Rin didn't. <laughs> I don't understand her dislike for it. I really well, don't because I mean, if you just look, you take it for an action film because it's so fast paced most hey, of the time. Hey, babe. Yeah. How many? How many? Just straight up action movies do I enjoy? Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Maybe. But also like westerns, right? Do you even like she westerns? Does. I grew up watching westerns like John Wayne and shit. So, so I mean, there's a few that I like, but okay, okay. But there's I, literally like a you know Butch they're generally Cas- more on Butch the comedy Cassidy. side. Mm. Butch Cassidy, Sundance Kid, locked in a fucking you know house with the fucking bullets yeah, going yeah, in yeah. there, and the, it's badass. And there's there is a rebel aspect. <laughs> Not not even just talking about the Confederate flag that shows up a couple of times, but there is a rebel outlawish a- aspect to this film that I really like, too, just because, you know, like I'm I'm you know, I'm a guy. I think by default, horror people that grew up with horror were outcasts, you know, even though I was in the. Growing up with horror in the 90s, which was a little more acceptable. But as far as like compare that to now where like you can connect to people on Instagram that have similar interests with horror. That wasn't back then that that wasn't really available. I would like sit in my room and read Fangoria's and I was like, well, I'm a guy that really likes horror. I doubt there's anybody else out there, but there must be. And I had to struggle and find a connection with other horror fans that it felt like very much an outlaw hobby. It felt, on the outskirts and maybe that's why i identify with near dark more yeah. than lost boys yeah high school um in my podunk town wasn't the best right <laughs> right and especially like you know i mean i grew up in fucking barnhart which isn't far away from st louis but you grew up at somewhere more rural. It's pretty right. far away it's pretty far away Nobody jonesburg missouri yeah yeah but uh, I mean, they use the uh where they wash their clothes <laughs> but yeah i mean i i really love this movie um and i i think it's a shame that it's not more accessible um and hopefully this 4k release that happens maybe it'll come on more streaming services um, maybe shutter fucked up and they're like oh sorry we'll put it back on um because i think that's always been the detriment to this film 
Um, you know, I mean, it had a solid VHS release. Anchor Bay put it out. It, I still like that Anchor Bay packaging. I don't own it because there's really no point. But I own the fucking Twilight cover. <laughs> yeah, I think they really Blu-ray. shot themselves in the foot with that because they were trying to cash in with the whole right. Twilight craze. But that really and what's alienated funny is- <laughs> that really alienated the people who would enjoy it. Right, from it's the people that like see the cover, it's like, oh, it's a Twilight movie. Near Dark and then they're just gonna fucking the hate it. Complete opposite right. of the this vampiric romanticism that was actually happening at that point in time. So I also found that funny too, but I was just happy to have it on Blu-ray. But but now, you know, I mean, there's fucking disc rot. Oh my goddamn Blu-ray. My German Blu-ray doesn't have. Damn Germans. It's that German engineering. Yep. (laughs) Anyway, so near dark, uh, recommend from three out of four, right? Would you recommend anybody watch this or no? It wasn't for me, and that's fine. There's a lot of people who will like this. Okay. I am not one of them. Okay. It cool. was fine, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I'd be popping this in on I my mean, own. I mean, do you think you don't like it because of the Western aspect or were there the characters? It's just or? it was a little too surface level for me. Gotcha. I, I there wasn't enough for me to care about it. It was just a lot of it was like know. a brisking of what could have been a great story. Is that what you're kind of getting It was just about at? being like strong yeah. and like aggressive. Okay. It's just like, ugh. I okay. Don't need Too many this. dicks on the dance floor is what she Too just said. Too many dicks. And on honestly, the dance like floor. maybe that that is the other pitfall that I have with this movie is that Jeanette in Aliens is such a strong fucking she's character. She's so as, strong in that as Vasquez that she's not really a strong character. I in expected this one. her she's to be a lot more. She she is and she isn't. She though. is though. It's constant that she goes for that boy and makes sure he's safe yeah. and constantly yeah, yeah, yeah. like worrying about him. Well, and I mean, even to the, the end, uh, the assumed scenario with her in my mind was okay so it was him and her you know Lance mm-hmm. and her and then she wanted a child yeah and so she got the child she wanted he sure. wanted he wanted a girlfriend and so he picked that girl and then I don't know how the boy got, and again I don't it's, know, it's I don't all know fill in the Paxton blanks shows in there. yeah it's all fill in the blanks yeah Bill Paxton is like the uncle right right <laughs> he's Lance Anderson's shitty brother <laughs> he's the one that gets here's my much. kid brother <laughs> but yeah I, I am uh you know I mean I'm kind of surprised he didn't like it but I I, I totally thought the people it. who were in it did a good job. Yeah. You know, there's nothing it's against not like you. No, it was like nothing in the storyline was going to really be there for. for I mean, me. effects wise, solid. It was fine. Do you think yeah. it was maybe too vague with the characters? A little bit. Yeah. I wanted more depth. Gotcha. I really wanted to know more. I like connecting with what I'm watching. Like even just the paranormal activity bullshit that we've been watching. Mm-hmm. Like it's easy enough to connect with the people because you see them in like their house yeah their habitat their normal life their interactions with one another so you can like feel a connection right right yeah yeah because i could care less about the main characters i'll be honest the vampires were super interesting but it was yeah i'm more interested in the the family unit versus they were very one note he was a country bum wanted to to hook up with this blondie and this blondie was like a cute gal who said hey handsome should have just fucked him hard ways that's really what should have happened and I think maybe that's what annoys me it's like you guys don't have any reason to be together you're not like talking about like where you really want to go it's more so just like when was the last time you saw the sun that's Uh. a lesson for all you kids out there but Ren neck protection last time you saw the sun today on my way here (laughs) on your way here (laughs) What about yesterday? Did you see the sun when you let Abby out? 
Mm-hmm. Oh. I was out like, like early. I had only slept for like three hours and oh, the Jesus. dog was screaming at me to go out. So, <laughs> all right. So near dark, uh, is, you know, three out of four recommended. Um, I would love to say, Hey, pop it on shutter right now, but yeah, unfortunately it's not on shutter unless they fix that. Is that Dino's fault? Uh, it could be, uh, honestly, I, his licensing is very strict, so it wouldn't surprise me if they only got a 60 day license. Right. So kind of a bummer. He um, just does not like making money, which is weird, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, hopefully this will be available, um, on 4k and you know i think i think every horror fan should watch it it may not be your cup of tea like ren um thought but honestly i think it's at least worth a while i mean you don't feel bad for watching it right yeah no i think like i don't know it's almost like if they were gonna go with all of the blood and I know it's a fucking vampire movie, but I think I just liked Dusk Till Dawn a lot more Mm. because that was like so much fun. Yeah. That's more of a roller coaster. Right. right? This is not a fun movie. No, No, it was just like, (sighs) I feel like stressed out and like, I don't care about these people and how they like really deal with each other. And I do think the weakest part is Caleb and May. For sure. Right, which yeah. they try to make that the central point. Right. Yeah. And I think that is what is problematic about the film. But overall, for me, like every, every, uh, everything else just kind of like drowns that out yeah. for me. All right. Roger, where can people find you? Um, I'm on Instagram at uh, Roger Van Gool. I haven't been really active for the past couple of what day is it now months but uh, i hope i'm changing that soon so good, good. not gonna lie roger in our intros earlier when you said your last name was henderson it threw me because uh, in my me? May, in my mind your last name is van ghoul it is <laughs> cool well we're looking forward to your posts right you can find me on instagram as rinstilgram or you can find my etsy's instagram which is madam maddox makes get spooky wreaths or some shit you can find me on letterboxd instagram and facebook at niles maddox 22 and you can find me on letterboxd twitter instagram at treefy t-r-i-e-f-y you can find us as a collective at dtb horror on twitter on instagram at destroy the brain all one word you can also join our discord which is discord.destroythebrain.com. Find us on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash destroythebrain or our group for the podcast at facebook.com slash groups slash horror. Again, uh, or I'm sorry, DTB podcast. And our Late Night Grindhouse event is September 24th and 25th. So if you're in the St. Louis area on those dates, then you can see Shocker at the Marcus de Paris Cinema at 10 p.m. for $8 in a theater with people that love horror. And I'm very interested to see how Shocker plays with the crowd. I've never seen it. Me either. It's it's not one of my favorite Wes Craven films. He but had so much faith in that movie. He did. And uh, I think it struggles with Universal Pictures saying, oh, this is going to be a new Freddy Krueger. Oh. Yeah. Because that was the chase back then. But um, I think it's an interesting movie. Um, I'm, I'm very interested to see how the crowd uh, likes it. And the soundtrack's fucking killer, too. 
I mean, Megadeth covers Alice Cooper's Miss No More Mr. Get nice guy. Oh, wow. So I fucking dig that. But Anyway, again, that is September 24th and 25th. Uh, Horror Trivia Night registration should be coming up very soon. So thank you guys very much. Make sure you visit the site, destroythebrain.com. And uh, our killer track is going to be Fever from the Cramps (laughs) that played specifically in the scene that we all, I think, like. I loved it. (laughs) Did you at least like the scene, Rin? No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't for me. Fuck. This was not my movie. All right. Well, killer track is fever from the cramps. Thank you all so much Uh, for this October. We definitely want to do another kind of Halloween special. What we want to do is hear from you. What is a scary story an urban legend you've heard of? Let's start this early. Send us an email at podcast at destroythebrain.com. We're very interested. Uh, We're probably going to pick the best stories and read them aloud. And uh, we might make it really spooky with music and shit. So uh, we're very interested. We're basically going to, you know, build a fire, a campfire, and uh, light it and throw the dust on it and uh, tell some scary stories for this Halloween's episode. If you haven't heard the Exorcist episode, please go back to last year um, and listen to the Exorcist episode. A lot of kudos to Patrick Courtcamp. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's a really great episode to listen to this coming up to October. And then um, next episode, we're going to cover James Wan's Malignant. I'm very excited because I watched this last night. I'm very excited to see what Rin and Niles think about this movie. (laughs) Anyway, thank you guys very much, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. 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 Bye.